Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. I want to talk about something that you're an expert on. Um, you, you are an expert on the topic that I want to talk about here initially, because that topic is you. You are an expert on you. So what I want you to do, I'm going to ask you to come up with some ideal things here in just a second. And I want you to think about it, and then I want you to tell the person you're sitting beside. Okay? If you came with that person, great. If you didn't come with that person and you're both single, maybe you can leave together. Hey, hello. Amen, right? <laughs> um, anyway, so let's do this. Let's start with this one, okay? Uh, number The first one is uh, the ideal meal, okay? Think about your ideal meal. Now, not your restaurant. I don't mean to limit it just to, your, to a restaurant. I'm talking you can throw your grandma's chicken and dumplings and green beans into your ideal meal, right? So you got your ideal meal. Tell it to the person sitting beside of you. What is your ideal meal? Go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves. Should hear some chatter. Anybody, anybody saying steak? Anybody got steak in their ideal meal? Anybody? My ideal meal is going to include sushi at some point. Some form of sushi is going to be in my ideal meal. Okay, cool. Cool. All right, all right. Second one, the second one, your ideal vehicle. Not just the make, not like a BMW or Mercedes. No, 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 no. Like your your make and model and color and how many seats does it have in it. And if a guy is sitting beside of you and says minivan, you have my permission to take his man car. Okay. (laughs) How many, ideal vehicle, go ahead, tell the person sitting beside of you your ideal vehicle, okay? Ideal, okay, okay, check this out, ideal vacation spot, all right? Think about your ideal vacation spot. It does not have to be the place that your cousins all got together and rented the condo at the beach, and now you've got to go spend time with them. No, 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 no. where you want to go, ideal vacation spot. How many people, the mountains, you would say somewhere in the mountains, how many people would say some beach, somewhere? That's my ideal vacation spot. How many? How many say Disney World? Hello? It's my family, the ideal vacation. How many people are like Disney World is the DMV for kids, right? Like, dear God. We all have things that we consider ideal. And, 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 and this one, I don't want you to tell the person sitting beside of you, but I do want you to think about it. What is your idea of the ideal community? Ideal community. What does that look like? Okay, ideal community. Maybe for you, maybe you're thinking right now, you know, the ideal community, if I had to choose one word, it would be safe. Maybe that's your word. Maybe your word for the ideal community is safe. And I mean safe like Andy Fox has to retire safe because he doesn't have any news to report and people to go knock on their doors and scare them when they're in their pajamas, right? Like he, he's out of a job in your ideal community. Andy Fox can't, can't, can't find any work. Crime is just plummets. You, don't, you no longer have to have 18 locks on your front door, right? Some of y'all have been in your house. You need to chill with the locks, Okay. <laughs> You are not Fort Knox. Nobody's trying to come and bust up and get your 55-inch TV, okay? So I've been in some people's houses. Not only do they have like seven or eight locks on the front door, but their bathroom has three or four locks because the thought is if somebody breaks through the eight locks on the front door, I'll barricade myself in my bathroom with my like three locks, okay? It's, it's, It's intense. For you, safe is an ideal word, right? How many of you, when you think of your ideal community, maybe you think and and you have this picture and in your picture, all of the addiction centers are shut down, not because of a lack of funding, but because of a lack of clientele. 
Like nobody's addicted to stuff in your ideal community. Everybody is just, they found freedom and they're not in bondage to any substance or any behavior or activity. Maybe in your ideal community, when you think about it, all of the divorce attorneys have moved out of town, again, because they can't find any work, right? Like people are, people are doing whatever it takes to make their marriage work and, and, and husbands are being faithful to their wives and wives are being faithful to their husbands and, 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 and divorce attorneys can't get any business in your ideal community. Maybe that's it. Maybe in your ideal community, poverty has just been eradicated. Right. Like there is no poverty because because people of their own free will and accord, when somebody when they see somebody who's struggling, has less than them of their own free will, they they give to their neighbors and they share and they and they and they help each other out. And in your ideal community, preventable disease has completely been 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 removed. And and, and nobody is in your ideal community. Nobody's suffering from a disease that could easily be prevented by a vaccine or a medicine because we're just taking care of each other other because that's how we that's how we roll that's how we do now I want to share something with you the reality is all of those things that I just described can happen because they have all of those things have actually happened at different times throughout history and you said well when did they happen they happened when the church was alive that's when they happen. You can read through the book of Acts. In fact, one of, the, one of the phrases in the book of Acts that just blows my mind is it says, In this Christian community, there was no needy among them, for they each shared what they had. Now think about that. In, in, in history, how many times has a community eradicated poverty? I don't know, but I know it happens when the church is alive. When the church is thriving, when the church is, is, is surging forward, all of those things begin happening. You see, it started about 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, the, the, the writers of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they talk about a guy named Jesus. And Jesus is the Son of God, and he comes here, and he's, he's born into our world. And a few years later, he gathers some people together. He gets 12 disciples, 12 followers, and a bunch of other people are following too. But, but they start following Jesus because Jesus said, listen, we're going to start a movement, and it's going to change the world. And they were all bought in. Like, they went all in with Jesus until, of course, he was crucified. Because let's face it, when a guy tells you, hey, we're going to change the world, but then you watch him die on a cross by the, by the, the, the governing authority, a lot of your faith gets shaken. And so they're, they're like, well, I don't, I don't know about, about this. But then three days later, this guy that they watched die on a cross and get put into a tomb, he's resurrected and he's walking around. You see, the foundation of Christianity, if Christianity is not a philosophy. The foundation of Christianity is not a religious teaching. The foundation of Christianity is that there was a man who was killed, he was murdered, he was crucified, and three days later, that dude actually got up out of the ground. Christianity is not an ideal in the mind, but an event in history that actually happened. If you can resurrect yourself, then by all means, all power, all authority, you can talk about it. But unless I'm mistaken, there's only one person who was dead and nobody brought him out of, out of, out of the tomb. He, the, the Spirit of God breathed life into him and he never died again. Lazarus, he died again. But Jesus, Jesus never died again. Jesus, Jesus gathers his disciples, and in fact, they see Jesus eating fish tacos on the beach with Peter a few days later. 
That's how real he is. Like, right? Like, like, well, well, maybe he just, maybe his spirit resurrected. No, spirits don't eat fish tacos. Okay? Like, spirits are not eating sushi with his buddies on the beach. No. No, Jesus came, came out of the grave and, and he tells them and he gathers them together and he says, listen, you're going to change the world. And they were on board. Now, they didn't have a clue what the world meant, right? Like, they knew about Galilee and they knew about Caesarea and Athens and they even knew about Rome and maybe they'd never been to Rome yet, but they knew about Rome, but they didn't know about Grassfield. <laughs> they didn't know about Greenbrier. They had no clue where Virginia Beach was or Portsmouth, and most of us don't know about Portsmouth. But anyway, some of us don't want to know about Portsmouth. Craddock, hello. Um, anyway. But 2,000 years later, here we are, right? And why are we here? Because some people took the words of Jesus seriously. Some people said, man, this guy, he is legitimately the son of God. And and, and they took it seriously. So Jesus ascends into heaven in Acts chapter 2. Kind of the birthday of the church happens, right? Like they're all together and they're in this room up in this this building house kind of thing. And the spirit of God falls and hits. And they're all like speaking in tongues. And they they run out into the streets. And people are looking at them. They're saying, well, you're drunk. And they're like, no, we're not drunk. And Peter jumps up and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he preaches the the paint off of the walls of the buildings. And guess what happens? 3,000 people. Surrender their life to Jesus. And in almost a kind of like, you know, so much has been going on. We just kind of got to catch our breath for a second. Luke, in a catch your breath statement, summarizes the community of the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And here I want to I want to read these words that Luke writes to you. Look at this and it'll be on the screen with me. Look, it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves, and I just want to stop right there. That's the only three words I want to pull out of this entire passage. They devoted themselves. They, there was a group of people who devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to Jesus. They devoted devoted themselves to the gospel. They devoted themselves to the church. And through their devotion, God changed the world. And I want to pause, and I want to talk about your devotion. And I want to ask you a real simple question. If we had a chart, if we had a chart from zero to 10, and we do have a chart, so let's show the, there we go. We got a chart from zero to 10. Where would you fall on the devotion scale? Where would you, if you had to put yourself, zero is like none at all. I'm not at all. What are you and Jesus? I don't even know what you're talking about, Jesus. Zero to 10, which is like all the way. Like I'm all, I'm totally, completely devoted. Where would you fit? Now, this is not a good or bad scale, okay? This is not a morality thing. This is simply a devotion. How, how devoted are you to Jesus, the gospel, and the church? Now, I know what you expect. You expect me to say, if we're not all 10s, we're not all in. And that's not my goal today. <laughs> I'm going to let you off the hook real early, okay? My my goal today is not to get you to be a 10. That's not it at all. No, no, no. Here's my goal. Here's my goal. Wherever you find yourself on the scale, what would it take to move you up one number? That's all. That's all I want to know. 
If you're a two, man, I'm really excited that you're here today, <laughs> okay? You, you could be in a lot of different places. If you're a two, I, praise God you're here. Maybe somebody lied to you and told you you were going to watch a movie. I don't know, but if you're a two, if you're a two, what would it take for you to be a three? That's all I want to know. What would it take to move you from a two to a three? If you're a four, what would it take for you to be a five? What would you have to do? What would it take for you to move your devotion from a four to a five. If you're a six, what would it take to get you to a seven? If you're a 10, you're probably a Pharisee and we need to talk. <laughs> probably struggling with a little bit of pride, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, what, what would it take to move you up just one number? Because here's what I know. I know this. And you say, how do you know this? Because God told me, okay? I don't have any research to prove this. Here's what I believe. Let me put it that way. Here's what I believe. I believe that if everybody in this auditorium moved up one number, we would change Southside Hampton Roads. That's what I believe. I believe if everybody in this room said, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes to move up one number, Southside would be changed forever. I believe if we moved up two numbers, I believe if everybody in this room, just the people that are here, not just the people that call Vertical Church home, just the people who are in this room, if we moved up two numbers, I believe southeastern Virginia and northeastern North Carolina would be shaking in revival. Yes. I do. Yes. I do. And I believe if we moved up three numbers, dear God, look out, world. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what would happen if we all took three steps of devotion to Jesus. And it's not a theory. It's not a theory because it's actually happened before. In Acts chapter 9, there was a terrorist. His name was Saul. He was persecuting the church. He was literally going in to church gatherings, dragging people out, stoning them, arresting them, murdering them, doing whatever he could take to stop the gospel of Jesus. But he's on his way to a, to a, to a meeting where he's going to do just that. And Jesus meets him on the road, changes his life. Uh, he, he becomes devoted to Jesus the gospel and the church and he initiates a church planting movement that changes the world and eventually where we find him today in Acts chapter 19 is in the city of Ephesus which is fascinating because it's over 600 miles away from Jerusalem think about that for a second his devotion to Jesus drove him 600 miles away from home to tell people about Jesus check this out Acts chapter 19 we're going to read verses 8 through 12. And I'm going to pause a little bit along the way just to explain some things and make some notes and connections. Look at this, verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. Now pause. What's the synagogue, okay? The synagogue is, is, is kind of the epicenter of Jewish culture, okay? It's where the Jewish people would hang out. Like it wasn't just a religious place. No, this was a place for a variety of community activities. This was a place where they might have school. This was a place where they might have some communal meals. This was a place, it was kind of like a, a, a center for charity where you might, if you wanted to, to give away stuff to maybe the poor or something, this, you would go to the synagogue and do that. Not only that, this was a center of politics in the, in, in the Jewish culture. And yeah, it was also a, a place of worship. So Paul enters the epicenter of Jewish life, the epicenter of Jewish culture, and it says he spoke boldly there for three months, 
arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. What is that? Basically, he's saying, listen, life is found in Jesus. The kingdom of God has come. His name is Jesus, and you can know him. It's not about religious protocol, and it's not about the traditions that have been written down for years. It's about this man named Jesus, and I want to tell you about him. And so for three months, he's telling them about Jesus. And then look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, but some of them became obstinate. Can you imagine what it would be like in a world where religious people became obstinate? I mean, it's not like we have any familiarity with that today. What kind of world did Paul live in where religious people, when, when confronted with the gospel, would become obstinate? And look what happened. Y'all didn't catch that. That was actually a joke. Okay, haha, thank you. But look what they did. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. And the way is, is the characterization of Christianity. It's what, it's what Christianity was called at the time. It's called the way. And look what Paul does, man. Paul just, he, he left them. <laughs> he left them and he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, we don't know who that is, but he must have been a really cool guy because he had a lecture hall named after him, right? Like, he must have been pretty important, but we don't know who he is. But check out what Paul did. Paul, Paul says, if you're not, if, I'm, I've been preaching to you for three months about Jesus. And if you're not ready to, uh, to, to accept it, if you're being obstinate, then I'm just going to go portable church. <laughs> and he went portable. He went to the lecture hall. And they set up, you know, every, every day they would set up their, their welcome, welcome uh, equipment and well, the VIP area. And they would set up the sound system. And Paul would get up there and preach every Day, but then check this out. Check this out. Don't miss verse 10. Actually, don't miss verses 10, 11, and 12. This went on for two years. Paul, Paul, look, Paul went portable church for two years, but not just on the weekends. It was every day. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Think about that. I don't know how many people that included, but it says in two Years with no phone, no iPhone, no Instagram, no Facebook, no internet, no train, no airplane. You didn't need an airplane zipping around to tell people about Jesus. No, no, no car. He didn't even have a car. It says, look what it says. It says every Jew and Greek. And I don't know if you know this about the Bible, but that's the only two kinds of people. All... Seriously, like if you weren't Jew in that area, you were probably a Greek. So everybody in that province of Asia heard the word. Everybody was told Jesus is alive. He's ready to save you, ready to forgive you, ready to welcome you into his family. Every person. How did that happen? Because somebody got devoted. Somebody got devoted. And look at this, verses 11 and 12. Let me just read this because this is Weird, okay? This is cool. We did this in our church growing up. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Like, that's just... That's just weird. We did that in my church growing up. We called them prayer cloths, right? Like you took a cloth, you put some, some anointing oil on it, people at the church gathered around, put their hands on it, laid on it, and you took it somewhere. I glued one to my dad's dashboard one time. He wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> Super glued it, man. He was never getting that off. <laughs> I was praying for him, man, that he'd come to know Jesus. That's Because that's what they did at the, 
We were just reading it and said, well, they did this in Scripture, so I guess it works, right? But somebody got devoted. Somebody refused to stop preaching the good news. Somebody refused to stop praying for the sick. Somebody refused to, 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 to stop believing in the miraculous move of God. And here's the first thing that I want you to see on the first Sunday of, of, of the Church is Alive series. Here's the one thing that I want you to take away. The church is alive when the people are devoted to the mission. Yeah, that's right. The church is alive when the people are devoted to the mission. It points to the question, why? 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 Like if, if you have a, a preschooler or, or a toddler in your house, that's actually a negative word for you. It's like, why? Why? Why, mama? Why, dad, dad? Why? 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 Right? But, but for, for, for some parents, it's annoying. But for a church, it's absolutely essential. We have to know why. We have to know why. We may not understand what we're doing. You may not understand that we believe that God can break through and bring healing into somebody's life. You may not understand how God does the miraculous, but we must have clarity on the why we're doing it. You may not understand believing for breakthrough. I mean, they were dealing in handkerchiefs and aprons for crying out loud. Who knows what they were doing? I mean, we may not know what, but we have to have clarity on why. we got to know why. Because the church is alive when we know why. Why do we exist? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Why are we a church? And here's how we've answered that at Vertical Church. Here's our, our, our why statement. Why do we exist? And here it is. I want to show it to you. If you, you've seen it before. Vertical Church exists to point those far from God to life in Jesus. Amen. That's it. Why are we here today? We are here because there are people in our neighborhoods and in our communities who are far from God. There are people who are void of life, living in darkness. There are people who are separated from God, who have been broken by the world, who are lonely, who are hurt, who have been abused, and they need to experience the life that Jesus offers. So this church exists to point those people to life in Jesus. we got to know why. Because if we don't know why, then we're left wondering. If we don't know why, we can't answer what. In fact, I want to show you this video. We showed this video to our um, leadership development group uh, talking about why. It's from a comedian. His name's Michael Jr. Maybe you've seen it on YouTube before. If you have, watch it again. It's really a great video because it, it just nails. I mean, it nails the why. Check this video out, and then right after that, We'll be wrapping up our message today. Go ahead and No, a lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The, the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie, because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode, it's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at three o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is, is it's me, I travel around the country and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. 
So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of, like, uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing. Here's what I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. So why do you do it? Why do you do what you do? Do you know your why? Do you have a why? Do you know why you show up here and volunteer? Do you know why you show up here and worship? Do you know why? Because if you don't know why, your what is meaningless. But when you know why, when you know why, when you know that you're showing up here and you're volunteering to point those who are far from God to life in Jesus, and the, and the what you're doing is going to break through the barrier that the enemy has set up, and you're going to break through that, and God's love is going to shine through what you're doing, then you're going to point them to Jesus, when you know why, then it starts really making sense. If, if, if you're an owner or a regular attender of Vertical Church, my prayer is that you would commit this sentence to memory. Why do we exist? We exist to point those who are far from God to life in Jesus. I, I remember, let me tell you this real quick story and then we'll, then we'll, we'll be wrapped up. I remember I was a youth pastor. And uh, it's my first, first job in the church. I think I made 50 bucks a week. Um, 
it was good, man. I was a college student. It was great, and um, it, it was it was awesome. And I was pumped, dude. This this church was in was in a low income neighborhood. I mean, it was in. I'm just gonna be honest with you. It was in the projects. Okay, it was in. It was just. It was. It was this. It was a rough, rough area. I mean, it was one of the main stopping points right on the interstate from Florida to Canada for for the the drug uh, the, the drug runs. They would stop here in this neighborhood and spend the night often. And so it was just drugs and violence and abuse. And I and I went to be the youth pastor of this church, and I was so pumped, dude, because I was ready to see 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 kids meet Jesus. I was ready to reach kids for Jesus, and I was talking to my pastor. And I was just sharing ideas. It's like, you know, I want to get in there and, and I just want to, I want to just, I want to go play ball in, in their parks. And I want to, because I'm like a white dude. I am a white basketball player, okay? I can't shoot. I can't jump, but I got a big old caboose and can push people around and get rebounds, okay? And they loved me. Like, I would go play ball in these neighborhoods, dude, and they loved, you know, like the, me, like vanilla me. And, and it was awesome, dude. It was so cool. But I remember telling my pastor that I'm sharing these ideas and we're going to get these kids and we're going to bring them in. We're going to tell them about Jesus. We're going to show that he loves them and they're going to do stupid stuff and we're going to show that he, he loves them. And I promise you that I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, that's, that's great, but if they, it, that, that's great, but if things get out of hand, don't be afraid to call the cops. And I thought, I remember thinking, that's the first thing you thought about? I'm, I'm like laying it all out for how we're going to do whatever it takes to reach these kids who are far from God. And you're thinking about calling the cops on them? So I remember, man, we're in the projects and we're driving vans and we're picking up kids. And, and I'm, 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 I'm in there on Saturday mornings meeting people and inviting them to church. And Sundays we're driving vans and we're picking them up and I'm knocking on doors, waking kids up, telling them to, you know, grab their clothes, come to church. And it was, you know, it was, it was awesome. And vans became buses. We went from a 15 passenger van to a 40 passenger bus and, and kids just continued coming. And then one day, one of them, his name was Eggie, he showed up high. And I'll never forget how people looked at it. It, it. it cemented in my mind. Church had already started, and he walked through the back doors of the double-wide trailer. That's where we hit that church. And I'll never forget the stares, the whispers, the looks that he got that morning. And I said to myself, I said, if I ever get an opportunity to lead a church... I want to create a church for people who don't have to pretend to have it all together, who are messed up, who are jacked up, and when they come in, nobody looks at them, and when they come in, nobody stares and whispers about them. Create a church for people who are far from God, because that's why we exist. It's like the hymn says, right, that he just sang on the video. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The church is alive when the church is for the wretches just like me. That's when the church is alive. The church is alive when it's a place for a wretch like me. I, wanna, I want us to be a wretch like me, church. I want us to be a place where people say, hey, hey, I'm messed up, God. Can you save a wretch like me? Me, God, I'm broken today, God. Can you heal a wretch like me? I'm lonely today, God. Can you find a wretch like me? God, my marriage is struggling. God, is there any help for a wretch like 
me and if the church would ever become a place for the wretches of the world instead of a place just for those who can already see become a place for the blind and the lost and the wretches then the church would be alive and that's what vertical church is about so here's the question the church is alive when the people are devoted to the mission where are you on your devotion how, back, back to the scale. Let's go back to the scale. Where are you? Zero to ten. I want you to be honest. Don't, don't front. Don't fake. Don't, don't do that. Just be real. Between you and Jesus right now, where are you on the scale? And what would it take to move up one number? Just one. What would it take to move up one number? What would you need to stop doing? What would you need to start doing? What would, you need to, what would you need to pray about? What would you need God to, to move and break through in your life and break that addiction, break that stronghold in order for you to move up to that number? What would you have to surrender? What addiction, what desire, what selfish behavior would you have to give up to Jesus to say, Jesus, I want to move up one number on the devotion scale because I want to see people who are far from you receive life in Christ. What would you have to do? What would you have to do? What would you have to give up? What would you have to surrender what would you have to start doing? Who would you have to talk to? Who would you have to invite into your home? What would you have to do? Just one. I don't want you to be a 10. Don't even think about that number. Don't think about being a 10. Just think about the next number. What would it take? One number. This is what I hope we accomplish in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. If at the end of 21 days, everybody in this room has moved up one number, the church will be alive. The church will be a light for people in darkness. And the church will be a, a hospital for the sick. And the church will be a place where the wounded can recover. And the church will be a place where the broken are mended because that's who Jesus is. If we can all just move up one number in 21 days. 21 days. I'm asking you to participate with us in these 21 days. If you don't know how, grab that devotional online. If, you don't, if you're not online, like Pastor Brian said, we've got a limited number of printed out booklets. Take that with you for the next 21 days. If you do nothing but follow that devotional plan, I believe God can move in your life and take you to the next number. What would it take to move up one number? Maybe today, before we pray, maybe today you, you find yourself and you're like, I'm not even on the scale. I'm a zero because I have no relationship with Jesus. Today we can change that. We can pray. Why? Because his grace really is amazing. It really is sweet. The sound of it is, is, is glorious. And if you find yourself a zero today and you came in here and you're like, I, I know what the song is talking about because I am a wretch. I am blind. I am lost today. The good news is that you can be found by Jesus. You can, you can be delivered. You can be pulled out of that darkness today. You don't have to stay in there any longer. Because Jesus has showed up in this church this morning just for you. And you're here not by accident. Not just because you accepted an invitation. You're here because Jesus wants to reach into your life and do a dramatic miracle in you. And today, you might just move from zero to one, and that's awesome. We'll celebrate that. We'll give God all the glory because that is a beautiful thing. That's why our church exists. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. 
Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.